Welcome, one and all, to Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek Discovery podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Ahoy, Pete. Ahoy, Matt. Ahoy, everyone. Here today to talk about the away mission to Panley Fest LA 2019 for the Star Trek Discovery panel. Pete, this is a panel populated by in order of appearance, Wilson Cruz, Shazad Latif, Mary Chifo, Anthony Rapp, Tignataro, Doug Jones, Sonico Martin-Green, Heather Caden, and Alex Kurtzman. And moderated by Daniel Holloway, the executive editor of Variety for television. And I uh, have to point out that um, I think Laurel, not Laurel, as uh, Mr. Holloway erroneously pronounced, got the biggest hand of any of the people coming out certainly it was a it was a raucous crowd a joyful crowd at the dolby theater there in la and uh i think it might be right pete i mean we've only seen the one episode this season with laurel hoping for a lot more in what is left the the final four episodes of the season but uh yeah certainly i, I mean between her between doug jones between uh, our future captain, Sonika Martin-Green, uh, certainly lots of applause to go around. Asked about Gene's trek, Matt, which for some is a rallying cry and some kind of, uh, you know, jihadistic uh, mentality. Uh, Kurtzman uh, had the very diplomatic and, you know, uh, proper answer there, which he equated uh, he felt like he was running for office. Uh, yes, uh, certainly as he spoke there about uh, the, the idea of diversity, Gene being a visionary in diversity, something that we uh, need now more than ever. And um, I, I don't know, Pete, Kurtzman for president, uh, maybe that's a step too far, but certainly his sentiment in the right place. Um, and And I think, surely the way to kick off a star trek discussion uh framing it in in the modern day looking ahead perhaps a bit to the future I, pete i know that we and everybody has speculated that the multi-season plan is to see burnham ascend to the captaincy uh heather caden had said on burnham you know it's so interesting to start a show where burnham is not yet a captain so to me, that was a little bit of a tipping of a hand, again, for something that probably surprises no one and may have been said before. But certainly that was the first time I had heard her or Kurtzman be so frank as to where Burnham will end up. I think that by the middle of this series to maybe the three quarter mark, she will become the captain. That way we will get, uh, you know, the, the captaincy, the, the roles will be cemented made me think as I was uh, watching, you know, well, what about Captain Tilly? What about Killy, you know, uh, getting this and, and her trajectory heading forward? You know, I, I think that as the series ends, that's a that's a place maybe she gets her own ship or maybe she takes over Discovery or whatever. Um, kind of like what they've set into the, the rotating captain's chairs, like I just mentioned uh, yesterday when we podcast the Red Angel episode um, that, you know, 
Burnham is getting different looks as far as captains. She's she's had three to this point that we're aware of. Um, and like you said, at, at some point, she's got to be the one to fill the chair. I don't know if we're there just yet. Um, I'm going to take Mr. Holloway to task just one more time, Matt. His first question to Seneca Martin Green was beyond inane, um, asking this lead on this show uh, what it's like to have a relationship with Ash Tyler. Um, it did get better though. At least the, the second question went to the idea of representation and what it means to play the lead in a Star Trek show. And this is where the absolute grace of, uh, Sinequa Martin green shown through talking about her answer here, how it lives in the unspeakable, that it's hard for her to even articulate um, what it means for the many different groups, uh, both as an African-American woman, as a woman, as, you know, somebody who is into uh, TV and as a reformer and as a member of a, of a very representative cast. Pete, at least Holloway later didn't ask the other actress on the panel. So what's it like to play someone with hair and what's up with the hair? Let's talk about your character's hair since she's a girl. Uh, I perhaps am overdoing it a tad, but yeah, cause he did because he did. Uh, and it's the second um, time this group has been assembled for a panel this year that somebody asked about hair. So Matt, I don't know whether it's, you know, this moderator or the people organizing these things, but there are other better choices for people to talk to them on stage. <clears throat> Indeed. And Pete, while we're off in this tangent for a moment, perhaps this is not, this next topic is not the fault of, uh, of Holloway or whatever PR people are fueling these questions or whatever. But Pete, this is now the third Star Trek discovery panel that, uh, that, that, that we have witnessed. And it's the third time that Shazad Latif just sits there until someone asks him his one question and he gives a really kind of thoughtful, not particularly animated, but that's okay, Pete. Maybe he saves it on the inside till it's acting time. But he gives his one response and he goes back to being ignored by the moderator until everyone says, Good night, everybody, and they get up and leave. But I digress, Pete. Uh, we had some some acting uh, thoughts here from Sonequa Martin-Green about uh, in terms of playing Burnham, stepping into the conflict, embrace the idea of suppression. I think she kind of suggested, you know, there's there's people in this world who uh, who would be asked to suppress what they feel, perhaps not in the way Burnham does, but to really embrace that feeling of being inferior was something that uh, Ms. Martin-Green spoke about in terms of playing uh, playing Burnham. Yeah. And uh, again, her emotion at the uh, the importance of a role like this. And this is where Mary Chipo jumped in her voice cracking, talking about how the first time Sonequa Martin Green reached out to her via an email, she's already calling her fam. That's what the cool kids call family, Matt, um, about their game nights, about their dinners, about the support in the Toronto area when they're on set for all the different uh, performers on the show, not just the the featured ones, but uh, everybody in the cast and how she's a true leader. And you cannot help but watch and listen to these performers and and see the unity and see the rapport 
yeah, is it in a public place? It is, but it comes off as in no way rehearsed. Uh, Doug Jones also spoke about Saru's arc this season. Indeed, an arc that he did not see coming. Uh, mm-hmm. He suggested that it was just this is the way the character is, uh, particularly since the species was based on fear. And uh, certainly it was interesting to hear him talk about having a character whose trajectory was evolving in, in terms of his experience and is evolving as we view these episodes, uh, much to the surprise of the actor. I think he's the captain at the end of this season. I really do. And, and this panel cemented that for me. He came out uh, doing the Saru walk with the, the hands swinging behind his back, which was great. And he he's always such a joy to listen to talk about these experiences and, you know, with the threat ganglia falling off and his shock to read that in, in the episode four script and, um, and Alex Kurtzman jumping in and saying, you know, the, the discussion became, well, what happens when you jettison, jettison fear entirely from a, a character? And we've seen this, now in the several episodes since Saru's evolution. And uh, he said that it will continue to be a theme this season and next. And that's where I, I, I just feel very, very confident. He's, he's the captain by the end of the season. You know, Matt and I, we went to the movies last night to go see Shazam, which we're going to be bringing uh, first to our Patreon patrons. And then uh, a little bit later to our, uh, regular listeners and um, the discussion on the ride up talking about the the captaincy of the ship and everything like that and uh, just just think that the the direction seems to be that Saru would be the guy. Alex Kurtzman also said of Doug Jones that uh, he doesn't appear to be in makeup such as his acting range that just you know it's not a guy encumbered by by all these layers of latex and whatnot. Uh, the conversation then turned to Ethan Peck, who uh, spoke about playing Spock. He said that he's incredibly lucky and uh, found out, I guess, hashtag it's all connected, found out in his final audition with Alex Kurtzman that um, Kurtzman's father was Peck's dentist, and there also was a connection between their sisters. Um, and, and indeed, Alex Kurtzman had the, the interesting anecdote that he probably saw Ethan Peck when Peck was a boy, um, then more to the role here, Peck, uh, it was said that Peck brought a volatility to the role, shades of which that we have not seen in Spock in this, uh, earlier iteration. Ethan Peck is so beautifully eloquent, uh, in, in these types of conversations. I think of how lucky we were to see him at New York Comic Con. It was the first public appearance he made since the role had been given to him and talking here to, um, you know, you mentioned the dentist connection and, uh, sisters, his sister and Kurtzman's sister were friends and that, you know, they, they were probably around each other at a younger age. And as he was auditioning for not Spock, um, and putting it together, it was Spock Spock, uh, in, in the prime timeline, no less Matt, um, and then the the proper terror he began to feel, um, you know, with the understanding and the weight of this role that's only ever been played by two characters, two two beloved actors. 
Sonica Martin Green also had the the uh, comment that not only is there the great rapport on screen and whatnot, but uh, that they play with every fiber of their being, you know, just playing off screen or in between takes, that sort of thing. Uh, and just really got a sense of the, uh, the camaraderie there. Uh, Tig Taro, whose birthday it was uh, today, um, said that uh, she's known Alex Kurtzman for 20 years and uh, heard through his people, probably to, to her people, that he wanted to have a meeting with her in his Santa Monica office. Uh, she thought it was so that he could you know, show off the office and catch up and that sort of thing. Ended up being a two-hour meeting with him pitching her on the character. And Pete, the really interesting takeaway for me, she thought that it would only be for an episode or two Wait a minute, Pete. She's only been in two episodes so far. Does that mean we get more by the end of the season? <laughs> I would, uh, I would book it at this point, and maybe even beyond. Uh, yeah, they go way back. They were actually assistants together uh, back in the day at a at a studio. How they became so close together, and um, you know, her her long relationship there and then the two episodes we've seen to this point in which she appears uh, talking about how horribly she stumbled over the techno babble to the point where a director, somebody had to be feeding her her lines and how uh, Kurtzman only took that to beef it up in terms of the amount of techno babble in her dialogue. You can tell that there's a great rapport between those two and you can sense those decades of connection and whatnot. And it was, uh, it, it seems to be a truly genuine moment there between the two of them. Um, the, uh, conversation then turned to Anthony Rapp, uh, who said that these scripts are gifts from the writers. And, uh, he differentiated that, uh, you know, Stamets is prickly over the work. He's not actually a prickly guy. It's for people who aren't up to the task or who could be doing better. Then he turned to Wilson Cruz and said, Stamets is also prickly over heartbreak. And you heard several thousand people go, oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and the connection there, obviously, between their characters and what we've seen this season with uh, Cruz's character, with Dr. Culber re being reincarnated and the um the moderator, um, Holloway, came back to the, the scene of them brushing their teeth together in their pajamas in, in season one and what that meant and how important it was. And with his return and, and reading about it in episode five and obviously the nerves since it had been more than a year since his character was was killed off. Um, but, you know pushing through that and just the absolute outpouring of love he's gotten from, you know, people on social media and, and from the fans. And then the fact that he's able to do this with an actor in Anthony Rapp that he's known for 22 years. It's all, it's all about that rent, Pete. Um, Wilson Cruz also had said that, uh, of Colber, the Colber is trying to figure out life. And then Wilson Cruz speaking for himself, uh, seemed so moved in just again speaking genuinely from the heart this feeling that he's the luckiest man in the world to have been on the show and then come back to it which was just so wonderfully said by him yeah yeah and and again we're judging this the fans are judging this midstream not knowing ultimately how it's going to work out um you know i mentioned in a, a previous podcast how people had been 
uh, positing that uh, Dr. Culver would have somehow uh, come back and his sexual orientation might have changed, uh, which has absolutely been laid to rest. Um, but with Anthony Rapp talking about being in the middle of their story right now and Cruz bringing it back to, well, you know, my character returns and literally fleshing him out and learning who he is, um, which, you know, you look at what we've already done this season. We found out he had the scar. We get some backstory there uh, that the scar has gone, that he's he's coming to grips with this new person that he is retaining the memories of the old and and trying to figure out how to meld it all together. Mary Chifo uh, also spoke after talking about the hair. She also uh, shared her appreciation for being a six foot tall curvy woman who gets to go to work and wear these couture costumes designed just for her. And all that that says about body positivity and uh, the, the power that Laurel has and the power that Mary Chifo is able to display on screen. And uh, Pete, it's, it's little nuggets like that that make me wish as well populated as these panels can be. Give me less people on stage and let me hear more, whether it's from, you know, the number one on the call sheet, Sonique Martin-Green, or whether it's Mary Chifo. Uh, you know, who's only been in the one episode thus far this season, if you want to put her at, at the other end, and certainly I, I don't do so disrespectfully, but, you know, I'd love to hear more from all these people, and one way to do that might be less people. Yeah, and when you consider that uh, Mary Wiseman, that, that Tilly wasn't in this panel, no Michelle Yeoh, um, you know, certainly an, an absence as far as some of the other big players when we talk about this. Yeah, in fact, the original lineup had included those that were there along with Mary Wiseman and uh, Michelle Yeoh, as you said. Also, Anson Mount and Rebecca Romaine, you know, recently with that deadline article about how they weren't coming back, which surprised no one, but right. seems to have some some ill-conceived bits in there and we certainly don't need to rehash that after discussing it at the top of the uh the the prior podcast to this but again less people that said i would have loved to have all four there perhaps it's paradoxical i don't know maybe we need time travel time crystal slingshot i don't know something <laughs> yeah and to the empowering notion you know chifo again giving full credit to gersha phillips the costume designer and what magic she's able to weave um and you know still waiting for that clip where they uh they made the video with the demi lovato song uh on discovery which we've yet to see that outfit so gotta know it's coming soon Ooh, thank you pete for giving me some faith that we'll get more laurel here uh then shazal latif got his i guess obligatory one question um, somewhat ironically, his comment was that it's it's nice they get to talk. He was not talking about himself. Uh, instead, he was talking about uh, Tyler being able to to put things to rest with uh, Michael Burnham. Uh, also, for Tyler to get to some sort of sense of understanding with Laurel. And um, interesting actor perspective here, Shazal Latif saying that Tyler is, is trying to stop hurting people. It's not necessarily help. He's just trying to stop the hurting as he changes as a person. 
Guy's very thoughtful. And like you said, it is a crime. He does not get to speak a little bit more often. What with things like this week on Ash Tyler's hair on Twitter and, and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm all for a laugh. And, you know, these panels can certainly be broken up by humor. But Star Trek's not a comedy per se. And, you know, we, we want to hear the, the more interesting probing things instead of two actors being asked about their hair. Indeed, Pete. And I know, you know, the Star Trek convention by creation entertainment that seems to be on the wane. There used to be five, six, eight a year. Now it's just the one in Las Vegas. Uh, but you think of some of those panels that we've seen, individual actor panels where, you know, whether it's the tippity top stars all the way down to, you know, I think of Robert Picardo, more of a journeyman actor outside of uh, outside of his time in Star Trek. They give a compelling 55-minute talk about the business and the personal and lessons learned and this kind of, you know, I know it's an on-stage presentation, but those feel so authentic. Tell me about Shazad Latif's uh, dealing with the makeup or tell me about his breakfast burrito that he has or his kale smoothie as a as an actor like i'd rather hear those things as opposed to and then there is the one shazad question where he says uh acting acting but i can't say too much back to you moderator right and then kurtzman follows up with his sympathy beard because other actors have beards i mean yeah <laughs> um rounding it out matt of course, brought up the other shows, the many shows in development, the closest of which we are to seeing, at least from a live action standpoint, is the casting and building Picard show at this point. Wait, Pete, and, you, you're saying that, that the moderator didn't treat uh, Short Treks as its own brand new independent show? You know, the way CBS All Access wants us to believe that it's a completely independent show? Anyway, so they're making this show with Sir Patrick Stewart and um, Kurtzman talked about how they need to be very, very different from one another. And we were, you know, crossing our fingers here. We were going to get the title, which we still don't have. I'm not really quite sure why they haven't done that yet. I know you have some thoughts, Matt, which we can put a pin in. Uh, but that Sir Patrick uh, read the first episode yesterday and it was quite emotional experience yeah it it was interesting knowing that we're not going to see that episode i mean my goodness hasn't even been shot yet or whatever not even, or whatever hasn't been shot yet they haven't uh, completed the casting etc cetera, etc cetera, to kind of have this moment of it's so far in the future albeit what december maybe November, maybe January, somewhere around there, that we will see this episode. But here it is kind of in real time. Yesterday, there was the meeting between producer and actor where the, I would assume, completed or largely completed uh, script was read through by Sir Patrick Stewart. It's kind of just, just this surreal moment of that show getting ready to launch. Yeah, it, it's done. The, the pilot is definitely written. Um, and to to read that through and what it means and talking about the character of Picard and that he's gone through this gauntlet and, and what he will continue to go through in the evolution of a character that's, I mean, is it a stretch to say universally beloved? Is there anybody that doesn't have 
you know, a soft spot for uh, Jean-Luc Picard. And uh, I think it's going to be a really, really special thing. Um, and given that he is a producer, Patrick Stewart, on this show and the creative input he had, I mean, first day in the writer's room, there he is at the head of the table. Um, I, I think this only speaks to how special it's going to be. It's a very, very exciting time for Star Trek, particularly. I don't want to. I don't want to count Discovery out, you know, b- before its time. But here we are with these uh, ten episodes behind us and four to go. Certainly, plenty of story left. But it's like snap, and before you know it, it'll be, it'll be <laughs> the long, cold, lonely winter as we enter spring. But it'll be the long, cold, lonely winter as we await more Discovery, and. I find myself in regard to the Picard show, at least through the lens of discovery, it's like, I don't want to feel that my personal fandom is fighting for either of them. And I think what's nice is there's probably the expectation that these shows will air one at a time because that's what makes sense for this streaming model. Unlike the, you know, the the days of old with boy, TNG was good this week. I'm not sure about this commander Cisco guy. Can't we get a, can't we get a show with a captain? Well, I can't wait till next week's, you know, next generation that's got a captain. And, you know, there kind of won't be that that competition, I, I think, for our for our hearts. Because, as Kurtzman said, these are two very, very different shows. We're never going to see that again. The days of having two on. I mean, geez, Matt, that was a seven-year thing, right? That was till 99 or 2000. You had two shows on simultaneously um sometimes on different networks and that's just not a model that that can be you know resumed at this point uh our cup runneth over in that this character is is coming back and and that we're going to continue if not properly finish uh his arc low these many years and you know, they're they're writing on season three of Discovery right now. They are writing on the Georgiou spinoff. It, it is, as you said, an exciting time and track. And, you know, we're just so fortunate and happy as uh, listeners, as fans, as viewers to be bringing it to you guys. And certainly our ability to be covering this Paley Fest could not have been done without the people who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. So as always, our greatest thanks to them for helping make this possible. Whether it's our early thoughts on Shazam before everybody else gets to listen to them or all sorts of other exclusive content, uh, the patrons make this possible. So everybody who contributes gets access to that exclusive content, all sorts of levels from there. But thanks again for helping out. Pete, the greatest treat, of course, is talking to you on Twitter. And that one comes for free. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,351 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, on Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a P-H, all one word, like it today. Pete, we will be back talking more Star Trek Discovery next weekend, unless there's some sort of, I don't know, mind-blowing news in the interim. With that, though, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. 
happy birthday to you.